Welcome to North Star. Let me just take the privilege of, of saying that again. I know it's already been said, but uh, we're so glad that you guys came to church today. North Star is an awesome place. We started uh, in 2005 in November and launched April the 16th in 2006. North Star is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. When you leave today, you'll see those words. Anything is possible because with God, nothing is impossible. Can I get an amen? Give God another praise clap today, would you? What an incredible time of worship we've had at both of our campuses today uh, already, and uh, I'm just glad to, to have the privilege of getting up here talking about a church where anything is possible. It's in our DNA, and we've, we've had it in our, it's who we are. We've had it in our DNA since the very beginning. And that is that we exist as a church so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. He is the one that transforms. He's the one that changes lives. And I'm just glad to be a part of a church that teaches and preaches that. A couple of things real quick. Uh, tonight, as Wesley shared with us a moment ago, is vision night. It's not going to be a long service. We're going to have a short time of worship. I'm going to talk and talk about our vision for the future of how we believe that we're going to strengthen this church and uh, reach our communities. We're going to do that tonight. I promise you we're not going to keep you a long time. I know it's a school night, but please come. I would love for every single person in this room right now to show up here tonight, right here at 6 o'clock. And I'm pumped. I want to talk about it right now, but I know I'm not supposed to, so I'm not. It wouldn't take much for me to talk about it right now. Another thing is, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and this may be new to some people or some of you are new to our church. We have something that's called faith commitment giving. And I'm not talking about it right now to encourage you to give. Well, yes, I am, but that's not my purpose. Um, faith commitment giving, that's giving above your tithes and offerings to Faith Commitment Giving. When you give to Faith Commitment Giving, there are almost 30 different ministries in our community and surrounding area that that money supports. It's incredible. I talked about that a few weeks ago. I'm saying that now because two of the areas that it supports is the North American Mission Board, and the other one is um, Eight Days of Hope. How many have heard of Eight Days of Hope? Raise your hand. And the and now you've heard of it whether you realize you have or not because we are a sending church for pastor troy goss cross-culture community church in new orleans you know we're planning a church down there and it's through now north american mission board the reason i'm bringing that up today is because we're looking at as a church how we can give some response to the tragic uh disaster from Hurricane Harvey. And I just told you two of the ways, and because you are faithfully giving to faith commitment giving, I want you to know through Eight Days of Hope and through North American Mission Board right now, 
we have boots on the ground in Houston because you gave to Faith Commitment Giving. Can you just give God a praise clap for that? So what you do does make a difference. Church, I'm telling you, it makes a difference in the kingdom. So um, if you would go to our website on the homepage, uh, it's two different slides, and one is North American Mission Board, and the other one is Eight Days of Hope, and it tells you how you can be involved by praying or going or giving. I think there's a collection site at Bancourt South this week, maybe Monday. But um, we need to, most important, we need to pray for those folks because that, that was a powerful hurricane, and it, uh, it's not over yet. The rain is not over yet, and, and we need to keep them in our prayers. All right? So, see you tonight. Sermon's not over. I'm just reminding you one more time. We're in a series from the book of 1 John. It's an awesome book. The whole book is about assurance, all right? He's writing to a group of people that were dealing with Gnosticism. Gnosticism had not only crept into their society, but it had crept into church culture. Gnosticism, which does not recognize the supreme God. Gnosticism recognizes that, okay, if you, if you can find that inner peace, you can work your way to heaven that way. Um, Jesus is uh, a way, but not the only way. That's what Gnosticism was teaching. So, so John, as he's writing the epistle of 1 John, uh, he's writing to believers. He's, he knew that this letter would be circulated with the churches in the area, and he knew that they were struggling with these things in, in church. So he writes, he says, all through the book of 1 John, he talks about assurance. It's woven. It's a common thread that's woven throughout the entire book. And when John writes, he's like all over the place. And like, I'm all over the place sometimes. But, but that theme of assurance is, is there. Now, last week, we talked about the assurance, but the, the Holy, what the Holy Spirit does concerning assurance. Now, you have to understand, those disciples back in the day, 2,000 years ago, they saw Jesus with their eyes, right? They were with him when he performed many of his miracles. And they saw him crucified. And then they saw him again because he was risen from the dead. And so, if we had that first-hand knowledge of Jesus, how easy would it be for us to believe? And so we say things like that. Well, they had one on us because they could actually see him. But here we are 2,000 years later, and what God wants for us is the same thing. And so by his Spirit, we are able to experience Jesus. And then we looked at uh, how... By his spirit, we can have the assurance of our salvation and, and how we can uh, be productive and how we can know for certain that when we die that we're going to heaven. And that by his Holy Spirit, when all of that's happening in our lives, if you want to know if you're really born again, here's a test. Are there evidences in your life that you've been saved? And so that's what we looked at, looked at for a little while last week. Today, uh, John identifies signs of someone who doesn't know God even though they think that they do. Are you with me? These are three signs. These were, 
the, the book of 1 John was not written to pagans. It was not written to infidels. It was not written to atheists. It was written to believers. And some of the believers had, uh, had an experience, but it was not genuine. So John gives us some signs, three signs to be exact, of someone who doesn't know God, but thinks that they know God. And so there are people listening to me, both in this room and elsewhere, who think that the, they know God because uh, they, I heard somebody say one time, I've always been a Christian. Uh, no, excuse me. You haven't always been a Christian. There had to come a time in your life that, that you repented and that you gave your life to Jesus. Well, I come from a Christian family. Man, you are so blessed, but that doesn't make you a Christian. And so he gives us three signs um, to help us understand whether or not we're truly born again. He said, man, this is heavy stuff. It, it is. I didn't write it. I didn't uh, say these things. John did, inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we're going to read together. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 1. And I'm going to begin with verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, follow along as I read. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness. The word darkness here refers to uh, moral darkness, uh, uh, defiant, uh, hatred, injustice, impurity, hypocrisy, darkness. If we claim we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours, not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And all God's people said... Amen. Today I want to talk about and, and give you those three signs. I, I've struggled with this because I, I had prepared this message and, and this is what I had started with. And it said, um, um, you are not saved if. You are not saved if. All right. I thought, no, nah, that's a little strong. I tried to change it, and I tried to say it differently, like, you may not be saved if, or it's a possibility. I was trying to uh, make it fit me better. I couldn't do it because John said it this way. He said, you're not a believer if, <laughs> and number one, I'm going to give all three of them to you. You're not a believer if you continue to sin. You continue to sin. You're not a believer 
So well, that's, you can't tell me. Well, I can tell you what the Bible says, okay? Yeah, I can tell you what the Bible says. This is not my opinion. You're not a believer if you continue to sin. Let me just break that down. It's not if you ever sin. It's continue to sin. You're not a believer if you continue to sin. Living willfully, defiantly, unwilling to change, and you continue to sin. If that's the case, you you better look and make sure that what you had in your mind was your conversion to make sure that that's what it really was. Because John says in, in in these verses that that, that something's, something's wrong here. Uh, let, let me um, tell you the most important question that we could ask today. Not uh, who you're going to marry, or wh- where you, what job that you land, the upgrade that you do on your house, who you date. Those are important things. But the most important question that you could ask today is, do I know for certain that I'm born again? Do I know for certain, do I have the assurance that God is real and that God lives in my heart? So a person uh, who continues in sin, there's a big problem. Somebody told me one time, they said, "Um, I surrendered, I accepted, rather, Jesus as my Savior, but I haven't followed him as Lord. Oh, come on. Seriously? I've accepted him as my Savior, but I haven't followed him as my Lord. Like, like as if someday you can upgrade your package, you know. Uh, okay, now I'm following him as Lord. Uh, you follow him, as you accept him as Savior, and you follow him as Lord, and it's a one-time deal, and it's at the same time. Let me ask you a question after I read the Scripture. Psalm chapter 19. The psalmist said this. He said, The precepts of the Lord are right. The teachings, the scripture. The precepts of the Lord are right. Giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant. Giving light to the eyes. Doesn't he say that with such passion? Your your law, your word is, it's, I love it. It gives my heart joy. It gives light to my eyes. When when you read that scripture, is that how you feel? Is that how you feel? Or do you somehow want to just like do the minimum? Like, okay, I accept Jesus as my Savior, but you you asking me to do a little too much, you want me to come back next week. I mean, I'm every other week. I'm a once a monther. I don't know if that's a word, but it is today. I'm a once a monther. That means you go once a month. Uh, and if it's in the dictionary, please show it to me later. Um, don't look now. John writes, he says, you're not a believer if you're, if you're continuously, defiantly, willingly living in sin. So we'll tell, tell us what that looks like. Well, I, I've got several of these, so you might want to write them down. This is what it looks like. It is believing without repenting. 
Uh, yeah, I believe that there's a God. Jesus said, he said, the demons even believe that there's a God and they tremble. It's not just enough to believe that there is a God and to know the story of the crucifixion. Many have the, uh, some belief, but there has not been repentance. What do you, what do you mean repentance? Uh, repentance is you're going one way and you turn and go the other way, leaving that way behind. Are you with me? It's not reformation like New Year's resolution. How many of those have we botched? Repentance is a heart change of direction from sin and to God. So there are some, some perhaps today listening, but have a belief, but they, they do not have repentance. When Jesus began his ministry, and this is not a word that's used in many churches today. It's used in this one. I can't speak for others, but I, I just know that uh, over decades, people want to leave church feeling good. Ooh, warm and fuzzy. That felt good. Give me something to help me live my life this week. Help me, give me something that will give me prosperity. That's called the prosperity gospel. And we don't preach that here. <laughs> we believe that you're prosperous in God and he will bless you. But we teach the Bible, the whole Bible. Not just some of it. Uh, and we teach repentance. Jesus began his public ministry. And he said, the time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You can't be saved by the light if you hate the light. So many have a belief system of some kind, but there is no repentance going on. When Peter preached his first sermon in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So, the first one is, you're not a believer if you continue in sin. Doesn't mean you had never sinned or you don't ever sin. Uh, it means continue in willfully, defiantly. But the, here's the second one. The second one is, uh, well, that's the first one. And the, the, the sub-point is believing without repenting. The other sub-point, B, would be being casual or even open as you embrace sin. Being casual or even openly embracing sin. And people do that. They get to a, a, a point in their life where uh, it's sin. Well, everybody sins. Uh, uh, there's a lot of people w worse than me. Uh, I know this lifestyle isn't popular as being right. What their meaning is, I know this relationship that I'm in is sinful. But we're saving money by shacking up. You don't have to amen. Just nod. 
wink at me or something. Yeah, we're saving money. Oh, I know it's wrong. Or I know this lifestyle is wrong, but uh, I'm just not willing to change it right now. That's, that's being casual and openly embracing what you know is wrong. John writes in, in chapter 2, he says in verse 4, he says, whoever says I know him but does not do what he commands is a, a liar and the truth is not in that person. Truth is not in that person. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, why call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? And so it, it's interesting how when we read the Bible, we opt out of certain scriptures that we don't like. Or, yeah, I know I'm stealing music. Yeah, I know I'm cheating on my taxes. Yeah, I know this relationship isn't right. But, you know, I, I know people who have done a lot worse. That's being open and casual about embracing Sin. Jesus said, uh, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And here's, a, here's a, the next one. And that is praying a prayer without life change. Praying a prayer without, with no accompanying change. Many people, we, we talked about this on week one. Some of, this, some of you might have missed it. I said, salvation is more than pr praying a prayer. Now, the Bible says, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. It says, confess with your mouth. So prayer is a, a vehicle, whether you're praying out loud or from your heart. But, but being saved is more than the ritual of saying a prayer. It's the faith and the repentance behind the prayer. Y'all get what I'm saying? And so... I, I know people that pray to prayer, they pray it every Sunday. That's, that's not, that doesn't make sense. It, maybe you don't have assurance. You're not going to get it by praying it every Sunday either. So the first one, he says, you're not saved if you continue in sin. What's that look like? That's believing but not repenting. That's being casual or openly embracing sin. And, 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 and third, it is uh, saying a prayer, but with no life change attached to it. Now, John goes on, and he gives us the second one. First one, it, you're not saved if you continue to sin. And second is like the other side of it. He says, you're really not saved. You, you think you are, but uh, you, it, it hadn't happened. If you say you have no sin. Somebody stopped me one day, not long ago, and told me, as the conversation got underway, they were quizzing me and asking me what I thought. They had already made up their mind. And this person said, uh, actually, uh, I, I, I'm living above sin right now. Uh, you just sinned. <laughs> I, I hate to tell you this. He disagreed. But I said, uh, you just sinned. Now, I, I explained what continuing in sin means, defiantly, willingly. It's not that you don't ever sin. I sin. <gasps> the pastor? Yeah. Uh -huh. For sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But the other side of that is uh, when you say you have not sinned, 
when you say, um, I've arrived at a place where um, I don't sin. He, he says, uh, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The truth is not in us. <laughs> the truth is not in us. If we claim, if we say that we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It would be like uh, going into a room of your house and me saying, is this room clean? Of course, I'm not going to do that at your house, right? Uh, yeah, it's clean. Let's, let's go in and we, you leave the lights off. You, you smell the Febreze, though. Praise God. I mean, thank God for that, right? When I was in college, we used, I don't even know if they still make it anymore. They probably outlawed it. It was aqua velvet. Instead of cleaning, my roommate and I, we would just sprinkle it on the carpet, you know. It made it smell better. I'm transparent. I can't help it. Um, yeah. You, so you walk in the dark room. It's dark, man. I'm talking about it's pitch black. Yeah, my room's clean. It's clean. It's clean. Mm-hmm. And you strike a match. And, you know, a, a tiny little match in a very dark room really does light things up. And even with the match, you walk over to where the television is sitting. Ooh. Whew. Didn't realize it was that dirty. And then, whew, blow out the match, pull out your phone, and turn that bright light that's on on your phone. Like, whoa, there's a Band-Aid, a used one. Anyway, it's, it's nasty in here. Then, I thought that would just before lunch, help some of you. Uh, then you pull out an LED. Whew. Then a halogen, and you realize there's mold on the baseboard. There's, there's a spill that's been there for a month, and it's really nasty, and you really start to clean. Don't say that you have no sin. So what does a person do when the light, Jesus is the light, what does a person do when the light starts pressing in? There are perhaps unbelievers today that this has happened to before. And so the love of God and the light of God starts pressing in on the darkness like the match and the phone light and the LED and the halogen. One of a few things is going to happen. And that light may be pressing in right now. Number one, that person will retreat back into the darkness. Have you ever come out of the movie theater? It's been dark in the room, even though you're watching the screen. You know what they do when the little chute or hallway, I don't know, I'm from the farm. As you leave, the lights are a little brighter. And at the end of the movie, a little bit of light comes up, right? Then in the hallway, a little bit more light. And then you get out into the lobby and you're good to go. But when you first go into the light, sometimes it's startling and you want to go back into the darkness. So one of the things that happens when the light of Jesus starts pressing in on somebody's heart, like he's doing right now with somebody, some people will retreat back into darkness. First John says in chapter 1 verse 10 if we claim that we have not sinned we make him out to be a liar and his word is not 
in us. His word is not in us. Well, Pastor T, I've just been hanging with, I've been hanging out with the wrong crowd. That's why I fell off, and that's why I've got in this mess. And um, if we claim that we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. I've just been with the wrong crowd. Uh, no, you are the wrong crowd. <laughs> you know, and so you have retreated back into darkness. Second, you could respond by uh, justifying yourself, insisting on your goodness. Well, I'm not as bad as they are. Yeah, I've stolen some stuff. I mean, that makes you sound like a thief, doesn't it? Just when you steal music or you cheat on your taxes, it makes you sound like a real heavy core hardened criminal, doesn't it? It should because that's what you are. Stealing is stealing, right? No matter how good you insist. And so we, we have that problem. We insist on our goodness. You know, our goodness before a holy God is like a tissue paper touching the face of the sun. If you went into the operating room to have surgery, have you ever, I, I don't know how this works across the board, but I've had sur several surgeries. Uh, and the, my last hip replacement, uh, they rolled me in there. Uh, well, first, the, the lady leans over in front, her head in front of me and said, we're fixing to give you the joy juice. I said, bring it on, because I know what that is. That's what knocks you out so they can knock you out further. So they give me the joy juice and, and roll me into the operating room, and I'm sitting there looking at people. Whoa. I've never seen one up front, up close. I wasn't too impressed either. I'll just be honest with you. Stuff stacked over, over here, and, and uh, everybody's got the hoods on, and they're getting ready to cut on me. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, God. Make this stuff kick in. And uh, I, I, I'm serious. I still remember it. I told my doctor this. He couldn't believe it. You remember that? I said, yeah. So she leans over again. She said, how are you doing? I said, give me some more. <laughs> what if you were awake like I was, and if I'd have been laying there, and I saw dirty Band-Aids and galls and mold, and I could smell some stuff, you know, whoa, how repulsive that would be. And somebody is going to insist on their own goodness? That's the way it is with God when we try to insist that we're good enough or that what we've done is not bad enough to a holy God. Third, some people will come to the light and confess it. Not everybody stays in that state of mind, the Holy Spirit convicts and they say, you're right, the light is pressing in. I'm lost and I need to be saved. I've been a church person. I've been somewhat religious. But God, I'm, I'm coming to you as the light presses in. First John chapter 2, he says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, that's proof that you're going to sin, right? But if anybody does sin, he has an advocate with the Father, 
Jesus Christ, the righteous one, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Does it say some of the world? No, the whole world. Now, there's two very interesting words, advocate and atoning sacrifice. Advocate is like the person who stands before the court and tries your case. Jesus is our advocate. He's standing before the Father, and the Father says, Ledbetter, you're the most sinful person. I want you to get up and just, you go to hell. Jesus said, whoa, wait a minute. Wait, wait. He's the advocate, the attorney before the Father. And he says, Father, I went to the cross and I shed innocent blood to pay the penalty for Ledbetter's sins. While he deserves to go to hell, I'm pleading his case. I'm standing before you as his advocate. That's what Jesus said. Isn't that cool? You don't have to plead your own case because I would be up there saying, hey, you know, I pastored a church. That's not enough. I was, I did some good stuff. That's not enough. Jesus is enough. The other word is atoning sacrifice. That word means propitiation. Propitiation. You have a wreck. You do a lot of damage to somebody else's car. You owe a great debt. And the Bible says that Jesus is our atoning sacrifice. In other words, what I just said, he paid the price to settle the claim. There's one more. You're not saved if you continue in sin. It's just a sign that it never happened. If you say you have no sin, the Bible calls you a liar. And third, you're not saved if you have no confidence before God because of your sin. Now, I sin. I have to come to God daily and confess my sin, whether I think I've sinned or not. I know I've sinned. Four o'clock this morning, I'm, I'm confessing. Aren't you glad you have a pastor that at least confesses his sins on Sunday morning? Uh, and I have confidence before God. You're not saved if you have no confidence before God, like you're afraid. Whew. If I die before I wake, pray thee, Lord, my soul to take. I didn't do good with psalms or prayers, but for that matter. You're not saved if you don't have that confidence. Because I've got it. First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He, Jesus, is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know what? Belief in the gospel, belief in Jesus Christ gives confidence. I got it. I have confidence because I believe and I've surrendered my heart. I've accepted him as Savior and followed him as Lord. 
And that belief gives me confidence. So when I go to bed at night, I don't have to pray a prayer of inviting Jesus into my heart. I've already done it. Earlier in my life, I did pray a prayer. But it was followed with, uh, it was based on repentance and my faith in Christ. So, Pastor T, uh, what do we do now? What do we do now? Well, assess which one of the things of John may describe you. Assess which one of these things that John is warning is applying to you. If, it, if none of it applies to you, that's good. Second, learn to cherish conviction and repentance. When you know Jesus, repentance isn't this horrible thing that Oh, I've got to repent. It's going to be bad. When you're following Jesus, repentance is sweet. And third, as the light presses in, keep coming toward the light. Father, thank you for today and for this time that we've had together. Thank you, God, for the Word of God that's real and powerful. And even though it cuts and it reveals, we need it and we thank you for it. Maybe today you realize for the first time that you've never been truly born again. You've had a religious experience, but it wasn't the real deal. I want to give you right now an opportunity, August the 27th, 2017, say yes to Jesus. You can say it like this, but it's more than just repeating a prayer. It is a heart decision. You can say, God, today, I, I, I need a Savior. I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross an atoning sacrifice, paying the penalty for my sins. And he died, and on the third day he rose from the dead. Today, I repent. I turn from my sins, and I turn to Jesus. Come into my life. I put my trust in you as my Savior, and I follow you as Lord. And I thank you for that. If you did that, and you meant it from your heart, you just got saved. Jesus said, I want you to go public with this. The only thing we're asking you today to do, you do need to go public, but to the card that you received when you came in today, at the bottom, put your name on there. Only our staff sees them. Put your name on there indicating that today you gave your heart to Christ. Now, as a believer, you realize today, you know, I've been having all of these doubts and I just need to get my life straight. It's what I need. We'll do that. Confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you. Maybe you, today you, you came as a strong Christian and God has taken you to another step of being even stronger. I want to pray for you. So everybody, please stand with me. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you thanking you for speaking to us through your word. Thank you for giving us the opportunity just to come into your presence today to worship. And God, today, as we close in this time of worship with this song, I pray, God, that you would take it and even more apply these truths to our hearts. God, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name.